Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Industry Boring Podcast. I'm Cullen Reichardt, your host, and today we'll be covering almost anything related to cannabis. You are rolling. Rolling. Okay, we're good. So, what? I don't even, I don't, I, yeah, help me out, because honestly, I mean, obviously a seed comes out of the plant, I get that part of it, and you, you know, you're breeding seed, or breeding for genetics, and then you're creating seeds and selling seeds, yeah. but I mean... I mean, honestly, like the whole cannabis seed industry has had such an evolution just in like the last few years. And, you know, it did really take off, like, as you said, in like Amsterdam and those areas. And, you know, we had started breeding like way back in, you know, the like 1998, I think was when my dad's first started breeding just for personal stock because he was like, you know, it's it's rough when you only have one crop a year and you have a fucking kid depending on it. (laughs) It's like you can't keep getting cuts from random people and ending up with bugs and like these nightmares and eventually he kind of was just like all right i need to make my own thing here really and so it started with that and it was just regular seeds basically yeah and um so like his stuff that his strains he would seed some plants and just have the crop for the next year you know i think the first thing he bred with if i am correct was like salmon creek big bud it was like back when like strains weren't even necessarily really like strains yet it was just kind of like a term would go along right. with a batch that, you know, they all were kind of similar, but yeah. there was definitely There was no rhyme more, or reason to it. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of just, this is the Salmon Creek Big Bud. It produces big buds and it generally comes out super green. And like, <laughs> you know, that was really all that there was to it. And so seeing like things progress from what he was doing breeding then to yeah. now, it's definitely gotten really crazy. But I mean, him having a background with like salmon genomics and all of the fishery stuff, yeah. he was able to kind of apply his past genomics research to yeah, okay. his breeding. Okay. And I think that that's where it really took off because, you know, if you really like consider it, most ag industries rely on the seeds. It's yeah. like kind of the best way to avoid pest contamination. Yeah. And the real issue is being able to provide a uniform seed line. And well, so that's kind of right. So your 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 Monsanto's, the evil empires. That, I mean, they sell seeds. Right. It's a big deal. They sell those GMO modified seeds and stuff like that. That's big money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's in regular ag. Those guys have to well, pay a lot you know, of money for that I mean, seed. it's like these days. I have a feeling as soon as it's like you know federal legalization happens yeah. that it is going to be a potential for Monsanto cannabis seeds. You can get to be some Roundup Ready cannabis. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it's a scary thought. It, it really is, a is scary but we thought. need to be thinking about that because yeah. it's like yeah. realistically, right now, it's like now is the time that we get to educate consumers yeah. to like you know be aware and to realize that the cannabis they want to smoke probably isn't like monsanto or right. burpee seed cannabis yeah. strains it's like <laughs> right. you know the stuff that's cultivated with care 
And yeah. you know, a lot of people even say like selective breeding technically could be like genetic modification. But realistically, yeah. when you look yeah. at a GMO, it's you know you're adding in an outside gene Being to incorrect. that specific thing. Or or yeah, or disabling one or whatever, like with the Roundup Ready stuff. That's exactly. really interesting. I find that whole argument to be really tedious. I think you know the the it was all sold to us under the guise of oh, you're going to have hardier plants, bigger product, better, more healthy stuff, blah, 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 when really it was just so they could sell a bunch of fucking Roundup. Yeah. You know? No, and and that's, that's just like And that's what it comes down to. And it's crap. like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, who wants to be consuming Roundup? Like, yeah. I, you know, that's something not, that not I me. definitely <laughs> try my very best to stay away from. And, right. like, even going into, you know, the feed store, you see things yeah. that are, like, you know, advertising for spraying Roundup on your front lawn and stuff. Right. And it's like people really just are lacking this kind of education where it's like, that's not what you want. And yeah. realistically, the plant does have the ability to do all those things that, yeah. you know, you might get from Roundup by itself. Yeah. Like, Well, it's a proper maintenance and care of a garden, right? Exactly. I mean, it's a lot of work and that's what they're trying to avoid is that actual, and I get it. I mean, I, when you see large, large, massive scale growing of food and you can just fly over with an airplane and kill all the weeds, I mean, I get the appeal, but still, yeah, there's a price that's being paid on yeah. the other side of it for sure. Definitely. And, but. you know, I think realistically we have an issue in our country, especially where people are constantly striving, striving for like the cheapest way to produce mm -hmm. things. And that mm -hmm. is something that's a problem with consumer, you know, like values. And it's yeah. like realistically when the consumers start shifting away from like, oh, what's the most affordable option? Or, right. you know, what's the cheapest corn I can buy in the grocery store and start to think, okay, like, what should I be putting in my body? What's the best I can get? You know, what I and can I think that that is, you know, where the cannabis industry is going to head as well, or at least I hope. You hope so. And we're kind of on a time crunch these days because it feels like, you know, federal legalization is eking up on us yeah. and that's when shit's going to like, do you, what do you think about, wild. it is going to get, chances are it's going to be another big bu bunch of bumps, but what, how do you think that's going to affect uh, you? Like the seed wise, I mean, you like know, with federal changes, <laughs> like what, what would be, what do you think would be the change for you guys? It's kind of iffy and it's really hard to like predict really anything mm -hmm. these days in the industry. But, right. you know, our hopes is that now that we've kind of gotten our footing in Oklahoma and in mm -hmm. Spain and, you know, all these new areas, we have our Oregon branch, we're about to try to launch New York. And wow. so, you know, you we're hoping that as many places as we can get our foot yeah. in the door that, you know, when we do go federally legal, it'll be that much easier for so us to be able to expand to those areas. Do you have to, can you transport seeds? No, not so, at all. So, you have so to basically grow we have to start an entire new breeding project. It's kind of really? an exhausting process. What yeah, we you usually think? do is, I mean, we're not <laughs> doing it all ourselves, obviously. Yeah. We don't have enough employees we don't have right. enough you know resources to necessarily make that happen but we'll find a partner in these areas yeah. so in oklahoma we found john who he actually got a meet when he was down there and uh, okay. his family and they had recently gotten licensed and so you know they had been growing our seeds and they basically right. came to us and we're like how do we get your seeds in oklahoma and we were like well that's kind of a pickle like do you right. do you want to do that for us yeah. and so you know that's kind of how it starts is we usually find really? someone who's super into it. So and just like cannabis, you have like, to produce locally to be in the local market. Yeah. And I mean, it is slightly debatable because it, you know, it's a sure. seed, it doesn't technically carry THC, but for the most part, we try really hard to play things that by the books. With, right? Exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, we don't want to be sitting there convincing the cops that yeah. a truckload of no, seeds, no, no, it's just they're seeds, like, man. but there's so not THC. Yeah. And so, you know, as soon as, 
things in Cali kind of started to go legit, we yeah. were like, we should probably go that route too. We want to be able to put our product in dispensaries. Sure. And as soon as we made that decision to be licensed here, it was kind of like, okay, we have to be licensed everywhere else we participate in. Yeah. And you know, it was wow. one or the other. And there's lots of people still doing seeds that, you know, haven't necessarily chosen that route. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm all for that. I support it. I don't think that seeds or, I mean, any of this stuff should be this heavily regulated yeah. in my opinion, but you know, and then again, you got to play the game. Yeah, you do. And I think, you know, without the federal government having any say, you're, the states are just fucking it up. You know what I mean? They're yeah, just they're well, just uh, making a mess out of the whole deal. It almost feels like they're you know trying to make all these farmers make amends for like the years right, they the didn't years pay they taxes. Got, right, they're right. like, we're gonna take as much taxes right. out of your pocket as possible now. Right. Because, so, so do you guys have you licensing know. problems like that too? Do you have a big licensing fee, or is it just like yeah, a standard absolutely. cultivation fee? I mean, or? we well, you know, we pay an, an extreme amount of taxes every year just yeah. based on sales, and you know, for every single one of our licenses, it costs an arm and a leg as well. And that's so you, not even really factoring in the random hoops they give you. Like, so you your know. taxes are higher because of, I mean, you're getting basically, you're full on cannabis company. Yeah. We get treated just like we would be producing flour. Really? Essentially. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, and you know, we can't deduct just about anything right, but costs anything. of goods sold. Right. And so that's a little bit inconvenient as in well, you bit. know, yeah. when you have to go travel all over the place just right. to do your job and to, you know, get your brand out there sure. and you can't deduct any of that. It's like. Yeah, you know, kind pretty, of a bummer. Pretty brutal. Can't yeah, deduct I mean, any it, advertising. You know, I, I'm an equipment company. Thankfully, I can deduct all my expenses on equipment, right? And I yeah. can deduct all of that stuff. Because from that perspective, from a federal tax perspective, I get to act like a normal business. Uh, from a lending perspective, I get, I, get, I get the same treatment that everybody in cannabis gets. But, um, but I understand that value. And when I buy equipment, I buy it specifically thinking about that value because it makes a big difference to me at the end of my year. You know, buying a piece of equipment can help me shelter income for the next year, you know, yeah. and, and I'm investing in growing my business. I can't even imagine, you know, having to pay for all the equipment these guys have to pay for and they get, they get basically zero out of it. They get the value of the equipment, which is good, but still, there, there's so much sheltering of income that they should be able to do yeah. and so much value they should be gaining they can't get any of it yeah well and you know it's not that's why it's almost not like you know you're starting just a regular business and yeah. i see a lot of folks that kind of go all in and went all in right in the beginning and yeah. you know they got all the equipment they got all their stuff they got all the permits yeah and then really like tax season comes around and they're like, oh, God, like, yeah. I'm really screwed here. Yeah. And it's sad, yeah. but, you know, like, none of us are really trained for this. Like, right. my job didn't used to have anything to do with a laptop. And the other day, my dad called me at 7 a.m., and he goes, do you have your computer on you? And I'm like, I'm in bed. And he was like, I always have my computer on me these days. Yeah. And I was like, what are we now? <laughs> like, wow. So, so your dad started the company. Um, how long ago? He started, so he technically went into the state and got the name in 2001. And, okay. you know, we didn't tell them necessarily that it was cannabis seeds. We kind of implied that it was veggies and a whole range of things. Right. And we have made squash strains before, so, you know, we weren't necessarily bullshitting entirely. But <laughs> we kind of kept ourselves, like, on the DL for yeah. a long time. And yeah. we had people pressuring us to make a move to go to Spain and to go to Amsterdam. And, you know, we actually had someone that was working for my dad a little bit that was like i'm gonna go to spain and start emerald seed company and uh we were like cool go and he was like no you guys should really come out here and my dad was like so involved in the undam the klamath movement yeah. and 
all of these local organizations as well as raising me out here yeah. that he was like no like you know i foresee things to happen here it's gonna take yeah. off eventually and i don't want to go over there and next thing you know they're over there calling themselves humble seed organization oh. so you know it took a lot of patience and for me i really had to like teach myself to kind of follow my dad's patience rule because yeah. I was over there being like, you should be getting all this recognition. Yeah. Like, you know, why can't we send our seed packs all yeah, over the, the place world, right, right now? Yeah. We had like HPRC and all of the local classic dispensaries and, you know, all of yeah. our homey bulk farmers. And that was it for a long time. And, you know, somehow the genetics would make their way to other places like Blueberry Muffin. You know, we started that, I think, in 2008. And really? just a few years later, we had people in like whole different countries being like, hey, I'm running your genetics. And so wow. it was cool to see even while we were kind of in hiding, his genetics still were making their way yeah. across the globe. So how, do you, how does you go about the genetics thing? Like, I mean, is he like, are you, are you have an active breeding program or are you, I mean, what's, how does that happen? Because I, I mean, basically like the one thing that I really know less than zero about. Yeah. yeah. So our entire cultivation pretty much at this point is dedicated to our breeding. Yeah. And we do a lot of pheno hunting with other local farmers, which yeah. is honestly something that has been one of the biggest advantages to come out of the permitting process is okay. having access to folks that are growing right. 5,000, 10,000 plus of our genetics and being able to pheno hunt. It's such like a large resource right. there. But, you know, we kind of have our whole site at this point dedicated to our breeding chambers. And so- So do you have to backbreed and, and do all the same thing that like, because you know, you're trying to refine that specific yeah, so phenotype down or find that rock star pheno, right? For stability, it really just takes like a lot of time and dedication. And, you know, there's a lot of new folks trying to come in and I'm all for like, you know, I almost call it pollen chucking when you're yeah. creating a random cross that sounds cool. Like you could be like, oh, I'm going to cross, you know, mints and runts and that sounds epic. But realistically, it's like could be the same as crossing a pug and a poodle. You're going to get an array of different results. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of different stuff in that. And that, that then you have to take that and select for, you know, the one that right. is the exact combo you're going for. You're yeah. like, I really wanted the pug nose, but like the poodle curly hair. Right. So, you know, you find that pheno and then you're going to have to continue to breed it. And, right. To try you know, and refine it and get select it consistent for that and, stable pheno. And strong and stable. Wow. And that's something that, you know, my dad has been able to provide because he's been doing it for so long. And like our muffin, for example, is an F9 at this point. Really? And that's one of the most staple seed lines I've ever come across to the point where, you know, you can put it all in the same batch, bag it all up the same, and it's not going to be an issue for really? you or your buyers or... You're yeah. totally comfortable with that going out the door. Yeah. You know, it's all going to be really consistent. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're selling people a batch of seeds for any kind of mass production, they're running 10,000 plants. Like, right. They don't want to have to go through and be like, all right, this one <laughs> looks like this one. And this one goes to this <laughs> one. And, you know, mix and matching. Wow. And so I think that that's really like one of the things that, you know, seeds really need to start. Yeah gaining and you know providing for growers because that's one of the biggest appeal of clones is that you know you're right. gonna have you the, the same, same results thing yeah. around and around yeah. but you can do the same thing with seeds and you've seen it in just about every other industry it's yeah. not like you go into the store and buy corn yeah i clones. buy my heirloom seeds you know yeah. like I, I know what i'm getting yeah or little tomato clones yeah. it's yeah. like you know you get the seeds and right so oh. i do foresee things kind of shifting that way obviously there's you know there's benefits to cloning as well but yeah. when you're doing large-scale production and seeds are so much more affordable and you're kind of eliminating well, the, some of is your there risk anything of pests. True, is there any truth to the to the uh, 
to the, the idea that seeds make a hardier plant? I agree completely because, yeah. I mean, realistically, you know, it's it's kind of just like a hereditary thing. When you've yeah. grown something in a certain environment for long enough, it does acclimate and it can develop resistances to certain things. Like, yeah. you know, if your genetics have gotten spider mites one year and you're doing a breeding project in there, the next year, yeah. the hopes is that the plant is going to like compensate for that and right. automatically acclimate itself to the environments and the potential hazards that it's facing. Cause it's just like natural evolution, you know? Right. Interesting. Well, because I know that um, I never grew from seed. I always grew from clones. And I know that um, I would have, I, I was susceptible to certain things. You know, specifically, you'd find out and you're like, oh, wow, this is really, why is it like this? And I always thought it was because, you know, you have such a consistency in environment, but then also consistency in the genetics that, yeah, if you found something that's specifically like that, you're kind of a target. You know, you're kind of in trouble. There's no, there's no buffer of genetics yeah. to, to give you any kind of strength in the, in a room full of the ex identical twins. Um, so I always thought that was kind of interesting, but I never really understood why you couldn't just clone on clone on clone on clone until my, until mine died, and then I was like, okay, I guess you can't. <laughs> you like, oh. <laughs> I guess they were right, and I didn't understand it, but uh, I never did grow from seed, and that's, I find it really interesting. So I mean, but to grow, I mean, to have seeds like. You know, for a farmer that's got acreage, you've got hundreds or thousands of seeds. Yeah, and that's a lot of seeds. I mean, how many seeds <laughs> do you get out of a plant? Uh, it honestly depends on how well we do our job. Like, you know, I'm gonna be the first to admit we've had failure breeding batches because it's kind of tricky, especially yeah. when you're doing feminizing. Because what you do there, we, you know, we started, of course, just doing regular breeding batches. Yeah. But with fems, you have to reverse the sex of your female plant, and that's when you get it to produce just the feminized pollen. Okay. And so you kind of have to get your plant reversed and ready to produce that feminized pollen right at the same time that your other plants are going into flower. And so it's I had no kind idea. of all a timing game for us sometimes. And it's rare that we really mess up, but you know, we've had years where we dedicate a big chamber and we get like 10 seeds out of it. And we're like, oh oops. <laughs> and then, you know, there's times where we get hundreds of thousands of seeds out of really? the chamber, just as long as it's timed correctly and our donors are happy and they're pumping out pollen, then. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how you that's how you get a feminized seed as yeah. you hermaphrodite or you you change the sex of on a female plant yeah and but our thing has always been we never started feminizing until we had a foolproof system for getting right. just about anything to flip because you know in our opinion if you're gonna have you is know, that a company say, secret how to get them to flip <laughs> kind of okay. yeah i, I mean the ask. recipe is a little <laughs> bit secret you can you can find the gist of it on google but you know okay. we've had our variations and we've mm -hmm. really fine-tuned it over the years now we have our like perfect one and we're probably never going to tell anyone what it yeah, is yeah i wouldn't i keep that secret <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know you could have you could have like a batch when you first start trying to do it and you're trying to get 10 different plants to flip and reverse right. their sex and say you know you're spraying all of them with whatever you're spraying and only one of them flips and then you take that one and do your breeding project with it it's like you know yes you do have feminized pollen but at the same time you're potentially breeding in a natural characteristic to want a hermaphrodite and so for us we kind of waited until even like the most resistant strains would flip for us got it because you know that way we know it's just not like a plant that's tenant to want a herm under stress right and I think that that's kind of where feminized genetics maybe got a rep of like, you know, they're more likely to herm than regular genetics. But these days it's like, you know, no matter yeah, what you're going to do. It's almost all feminized. Like you can't really find, yeah. as a matter of fact, all, most of the, the 
big seed houses. I don't think they do anything but feminized seeds. Yeah, I mean, we still really try to provide you, uh, both because we yeah. have a lot of like old school folks that are really like, they are like, oh, we only grow rag seed and that's it. And it's hard to change people's ways, you know, yeah. especially these old school growers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that plastic <laughs> netting. Like, <laughs> yeah. not doing that. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine, you know. Plants are supposed to be 20 feet tall and yeah. 100 feet around. You're like, okay, got it, pops. Got it. Yeah, you're like, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah. Whatever you say. Yeah, they do. It's very interesting. Uh, so, um, I'm sure you have equipment that I've seen some seed separators. You have like a seed separator machine? Yes, we do now, thankfully. <laughs> you know, back in like way back in the day when we were first kind of getting started, it we weren't even really charging for the seeds and we would sit there and someone would come up and they'd say, I want to get my seeds for the year. And we'd grab the buds and like plates and we'd and start break them breaking all out. them up and pulling out the seeds and it would take like hours. They'd always bring us a six pack of beer and we'd sit at the table. But you guys started just like everybody else one. in this industry. Yeah. Doing and everything then, the hard you know, way. Now it's like I'm yeah. halfway replaced by machines at this point. No yeah. more like breaking up the buds and pulling the seeds out. Wow. But <laughs> I would never. I it mean, makes it a lot easier. So, are, so you're you're distributing in regional markets and not doing the international well, marketing yet. Yeah, no, not necessarily. Our branch in Spain does have a little bit more uh, leeway, I guess. Okay. And you know, they're just they're not really as direct about the rules there. Ah, and so got it. it's like you know, as long as you're paying your bills and you're doing what you're told kind of I, they're not going to come I on think I think I ordered some seeds I, I only got the one set that I told you about but I think I ordered some seeds one time and they never showed up mm. and I mm. always just thought that well that's that's how it goes you know yeah <laughs> I, I can't expect the U.S. Postal Service to deliver seeds every time yeah maybe, no maybe next it's a little time. bit of a risk and I mean we've always been a little bit scared too like you know, we sure. just kind of launched over there in the last few years and yeah. we kind of have kept it small and just in this area of Spain but yeah. you know back so, in the day I like was telling my dad hey we need to get on Instagram we need to get on social media yeah. and I was like 13 or 14 years old and finally I was like I'm just gonna make us a company Facebook whatever nice. <laughs> and I went on and I made it and I like used my mom's phone number because I didn't have my own phone at the time and like a week goes by and next thing you know we have like a federal agent on my mom's phone and he's like <laughs> so what is this about Humboldt Seed Company on Facebook and like luckily as the conversation evolved she's like looking at the page with the guy and she's like yeah like there's a lot of typos. Like I'm, I'm 99.9% sure this was like our 14 year old daughter. And you know, I wouldn't take any of this seriously. They left us alone after that, but it was like kind of a scare. You know, yeah, yeah. I felt really bad. I was yeah. like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> after that, it was like, it was work to get my dad to start an Instagram from that point on. I he was imagine like, oh, so. but you remember what happened last time, yeah. right? <laughs> like, well, I mean, golly, the culture up here too, man. It's been so, it's been so clandestine and so, uh, so close knit, you know, that yeah. I, I, when I first came up here was in 2012, I brought up a machine and I was like, oh, everybody up here grows weed, so I'm gonna be able to sell this machine, you know? And, and I started poking around to find people and it was like, yeah, you don't talk about that. And if you do, people really quickly go, don't talk to that guy. And you kind of get ostracized, you know? And I yeah. figured that out really quick. Like you just don't have those communications. And then once you get in, you know, if you get in, then you're in and you can kind of then you can navigate yeah. a little bit slowly but you know it was yeah it was uh those were kind of scarier times i think it's a hard place to really get introduced to and it yeah. takes a while for 
people to really like gain that trust as well and you know my dad wasn't born here i was i was kind of born into the industry i guess which is fitting considering this is industry born podcast see so you're industry born there you go but you know he he made his way out here on dead tour and ended up at like a little old hippie commune and said i'm staying you know i think you know i like to think of myself as like a happy accident but i definitely wasn't a planned child and he was only 19 at the time i was born we had like a one-room cabin with an outhouse and you nice. know we're, that's we're very, out there that's very northern california but fortunately <laughs> he had started initially you know working for the salmon river restoration council yeah. and working with the undam the klamath movement and i think that that's kind of what gave him the ability to integrate himself into the community so much is because you know they were like yeah. you're not just here for this green rush and yeah. you know he ended up getting this amazing mentor peter brucker who really was the first person to teach him everything he knew about growing at the yeah. time and uh you know from there on is when the breeding started and so I, that's so why go into breeding when you're in the growing and growing's where like everything is at well you know back then honestly everyone was like you're crazy dude like you you mess with pollen it was like a scary thing you know? oh yeah because that'll kill everything yeah they're like <laughs> oh god i'm not coming anywhere near your farm no like, pollen yeah <laughs> stay away from that people guy. that would mess around and be like oh i need to shower after i come over here for dinner like yeah but i think for him it was really just having access to the quality genetics that he wanted you know i think we had like a couple seasons where we would get a clone from somebody and they'd be like oh this is this and you know it's the bomb and then you grow it out and next thing you know you spend all year and bugs and the genetics aren't what you were told they were anyways and it was like a disappointment and so i think it was more like a self-sustainability thing at first was he was like i want to be able to do what i'm doing but not have to rely on anyone so how else many, to do it. How many, how many different strains are you working on at a time? In you know, general, we like... try not to really get ourselves into too many like serious breeding projects at once, at yeah. least for what we intend to release okay. to the public for the year. I think right now we're working on like three new auto strains and we might only release one photo period line this year. Really? Uh, you know, we kind of have to do our R&D process and we know one sure. for sure is going to be ready and worth it, but the rest of them we got to kind of run our R&D on and see if they're going to be How ready. How long does or... that take? It depends on the it depends on the line cuz yeah. you know, with some crosses you kind of get lucky right away and they're a little bit more stable. With some you get like a very wide array of phenotypical differences right. and those lines can take three to four years to work them into something that you know we feel confident releasing that makes sense i mean that seems like a long time but three to four years and well it takes a while i mean realistically like where i start with any new line is you know i go out to the farm and i take a cutting off of everything in their field unless it's like clearly you know a weird strain it's like carrying a mutation or it has terrible structure and you know you're just not into it but for the most part we're like getting as many genetics as possible and hoarding them and you know then we go back and we make our selections and you know we usually pick like five to ten for the season and then you know we are running r&d and doing small breeding projects on those how do you keep that that going like there's got to be some time in there where you're holding backs like this is where we started so you got to hold on to this because we tried it over here and i want to keep that in case i got to go back there but how do you how do you, right? I mean, there's, because you're going to go down this road at some point in time. It's a lot. I mean, we have, you know, we constantly have what we call our like genetic library running, which yeah. is where we'll keep our phenotype hunt winners. 
and you know we're constantly kind of cutting off of the moms and trying to so you just keep get them the line perpetually to expand further. In, in growth mode and yeah we just keep them you know we'll keep them in veg and as long as we can until we have like a new clone batch going eventually we usually kill off the original mom and then we have you know a batch of our 10 moms we got off of that one as cuttings yeah. and then you know from there we can go into a bit of production and we usually R&D it as just a clone line for one season yeah. while we're getting ready and we'll do you know we'll do one at least one full term R&D batch and then one mixed light and then one indoor yeah and we have lots of people that we collab with on that stuff so you know that's what? another aspect that's positive about the whole legalization <laughs> thing yeah well right I mean it just seems like a lot to me because I, I really found myself not being quite attentive enough to be very good at growing and so the, the idea of you know doing all that work and keeping all that data just blows my mind that you would yeah, uh, you know it's, you know it's a, it's a lot to keep track of and especially yeah. for us where we're like there's never enough genetics and yeah. you know we can never have enough we're like hoarders at this point yeah. so but so are you are you like thinking like couple of years out or are you just kind of like are you trying to follow the trends like these mass trends at all or you're just really trying to find really killer stuff and go yeah this is this is killer for us yeah it's kind of you know the the third one where we're really just looking for what we think is going to be something killer that's going to do yeah. well for our farmers because as much as you can follow the trends it's like what like if we had started doing like a ton of stuff with ice cream cake and wedding cake yeah like two years ago or yeah, last it would have year, been years ago we wouldn't be really super ready to produce that line yeah. until you know next year and by then nobody wants that anymore right. <laughs> everyone's right, already over it, it by this year okay so that's kind of a problem then so you can't really go this is what's hot let's design something around that because that's too late yeah because what's we hot can, is you know occasionally if we find something that we think is gonna kind of keep its traction for a while like yeah. you know we've done a few projects with like runs like you know, we have a white runs jelly rancher that we're probably going to release eventually and you know it'll it'll be cool but i have a feeling that by that time runs probably isn't going to be the new cool thing anymore anyway right. so you know that part is a little tricky just change its name no one will ever yeah, know exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you know you could we try to do our best to not do too much of that though because there's honestly a lot of people out there who are just like putting yeah. whatever they want to yeah on the yeah label, yeah, and yeah. Like, i was gonna say that's right, that's pretty common right five hundred dollars for this seed pack at auction and we're like you know we try to uh. Keep ourselves they do the same thing with, with the, with the, with the <laughs> cannabis bags. I mean, I, I remember when we were years ago when I was uh, helping to distribute. <laughs> you know, we, we were like, what is that? I don't know. What, what are you going to call it? I don't know. It smells kind of fruity. Oh, let's call it this. And, you know, you just yeah. throw a name on it. And, and it was so, and that was very common because, I mean, there wasn't really much tracking going on and it didn't, it wasn't nearly as, uh, people weren't paying nearly as much attention. Right, you knew certain things, you know, would come in and you'd know, you know, the Jack Herrera or a Bull Rider, like that was still legendary, a Sour Diesel or something like that. Where, but most of the time there was so much variety and we were getting a lot more in Southern California that was actually coming from the hills, right? Whereas now it's kind of homogenized, but you get a lot more variety and you just didn't have names. It was just like, you know, somebody did a really good job with this stuff and I don't know what it is, but we'll call it something. So <laughs> we used to just kind of make up names too. And I, and I think that, I mean, it's obviously not the same game as it was. I don't know where I was going exactly with this, but I thought it was kind of interesting because I never really understood. I mean, I understand pharmacology from a naming perspective. I understand why they come up with those stupid, unpronounceable names. <laughs> but I'm wondering, like, where's, like, in, in cannabis, is there, there's really no, there's really no uh, genetic naming structure. Like, it's not Latin-based. It's not, 
It's just like. No, not at all. I mean, honestly, that's like one of our biggest struggles every year. We're still like grouply debating on what we're going to name our new release for this year. We have like our Fino Hunt number for it, which was yeah. M30. <laughs> But okay. like we can't call it M30 necessarily. No? Every time one of us <laughs> thinks of a name, it's like we go and we start scouring Instagram and Leafly and yeah. anywhere, and like 90% of the time, it's already a strain somewhere somehow. Yeah. And so you know, maybe eventually we do need to shift into kind of having like a more serious naming system for these things. And maybe- Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, I mean, it should, it, should, it should have some scientific basis to it because, I, I mean, agree. that's ultimately what you're talking about. You're talking about genetic structure and this, you're probably going to want to call out, you know, where it sits in the, in, in, in the like if it's, if it's going to be compact or tall or lanky or fingery and you're going to call out like what it's going to have for its terpenes and all that. That, that could all be in the naming, but then you're going to get these really like uh, interesting yeah, Latin real names that no one gives a shit about. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is <laughs> they're still going to call it Girl most, Scout cookies. You're like, yeah. ah, God dang it. But most things do have a scientific name and then a generalized name yeah. as well. And so, you know, as much as I do see all of the like classic trendy names yeah. surviving going on, there's nothing wrong with having a scientific name out there as well that you can reference. And right. I do feel like you know, the more we progress as an industry, we kind of need to start thinking about things like that. You would think because, so. You have to do something about yeah. it, right? But yeah. there, I think there's also something happening that's different uh, in this industry than maybe other ag industries. It's it's a lot going on in the pheno development and in, in the strain development. A lot going on. Yeah. Like there's everybody is trying to get the next big thing. So there's so, tons of genetic movement all the time, and all this is going. It's yeah. like okay. That maybe it's going to be hard to keep up with because of that. It really volume, is. Right? I mean, but it's been amazing to watch like the progression yeah. that's been made in just the short time. And maybe it's really just that people are actually able to kind of shout it out to the world now and proclaim it. Like before, back in the day, I would have freaked out if I saw a dude with a camera walking through our fields. Oh, yeah. But right. now it's like the normal. <laughs> it's like every other week we're like, oh, this videographer is going to stop by. Yeah. And, you know, we actually get a publish what we're doing and yeah. you know share oh, and it with you, other and people and to. talk to people yeah. in these new places and hear what they're doing over right. there and you know i think that opening up those doors has really led to like a lot of moving forward as far as like you know what people are producing what genetics are available and yeah. even just you know growing strategies and you know yeah. marketing strategies everything it's a very unique industry to be in because it's like one of the few industries I feel like in our nation that is kind of just beginning and still evolving and it's under researched as well and I well and there's something else I think is interesting too is that that it's it's really close to its culture in some respects like the cannabis culture but we we're as an equipment company we're not so close to cannabis culture as you know as the people who grow are obviously and and the seed people so you have people who are gaining a name in the culture and putting their name on a genetic may or may not be any good right but that's still that still pushes i don't know how many stinking farmers go out and grow 
you know, John's Bubba, whatever they want yeah. to call it, whatever it is, but you know what I mean? They, it's attached to that famous name, and so everybody goes down. And, and that's, that's not necessarily the right way or wrong way to do it, but it's really tied to, to that culture kind of wave, and that's putting a lot of pressure. I think it puts a lot of pressure on this environment, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just having the conversation I've had with, the, with a couple of um, you know, growers up here. They're, they struggle because they, they, don't have, they don't have the latest crazed indoor fad. Right? right? So, but that doesn't mean they don't have really beautiful, great cannabis yeah. to offer and they don't do a great job. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is they're not on the, on the prima donna marketplace. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I do think that's definitely one of the disadvantages these days is, you know, you see a lot of like the hype cannabis yeah, brands going yeah. around. And as much as I respect anyone who's making it these days in these industries, yeah. it's like, you know, it's kind of sending consumers the wrong direction. And what's really important is to like make sure the consumers who are going into these shops are educated on what they're acquiring. Because, yeah. you know, I if anytime I go into a dispenser, I hear probably five people be like, what's your highest THC eighth? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of what yeah. everyone's going for. And for me, I'm like a terpenes girl all oh, yeah. through. Like, sure. you know, I, I like to get stony, but at the same time, like a good flavor and a nice like terpene high can yeah. definitely tell the difference. And so yeah. people like, you know, they're not really considering this stuff quite yet. And there's no drive for farmers to list their terpenes on their jars because nobody's asking about it. Quite I, you yet. know, we're starting to see it a little bit, but you know what? I yeah. think the numbers don't make a lot of sense, right? 3.8% terpenes. It's like, ah, you know, <laughs> okay. Well, you see uh, stuff like that and it's like, you know, someone will be like, it's, 33% THC and then 3.8% terpenes or whatever the yeah. numbers are and you're like doing the math in your head and you're like so like you know where where's the chlorophylls and yeah. you know where's the rest of the bud like the way that they break it down yeah. you're like so like your bud would basically melt in the sun yeah if yeah. that was actually true but the labs like you know they've fed they, into this whole it's a business for them too yeah. like our lab that we were going to it's for horrible. years that gives us super accurate results almost shut down this year because they were like nobody wants to come to us anymore because we don't lie on our thc test results yeah. <laughs> well like, right so i mean you got uh, guys you got guys who do every shady trick they can to get those numbers up like they over dry and then they rehydrate and you're just like dude you know, if you didn't focus here, we could create. You could, you could, you could really open up this marketplace. But I think that, I think the concentrate game is also uh, focused on on the intensity issue. And nothing, nothing wrong with concentrates. And for people who like them, that's great. But it's changed the conversation. Although I, I would say like. Um, uh, your your uh, live resins and stuff like that, where they're trying to focus back on getting the more of the full entourage and the full effect kind of thing going on. Uh, but uh, you know, your shatters and your waxes are pretty much just like, okay, this is get as much THC as you can in here, and that's how that's what the game is. And I think uh, I have a lot of guys that work for me, and that's what they do. They're like, you know, I I, I know I would die if I did concentrate, so I don't. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that. But they they that's what they do, and I'm like, okay, you're missing like there's something you've never experienced um, because you've never, you don't understand what's missing for, from that picture, right? Yeah, And definitely. there's a ton of stuff that's in there that is missing. So. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, it's like we're all out here just kind of trying to play the game. And it's yeah. funny because it's always been kind of referred to as the weed game, but now that it's legal, I almost feel like it's even more of a game, it's, you know? <laughs> well, you've got bigger <laughs> players, so you got to play harder. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like the professional game now. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's like a scary world, but I, you know, I feel like Humboldt is always going to have that craft name to it, and yeah. as long as we kind of keep doing things like this, where we're collabing with folks and we're telling our stories, yeah. and, you know, we're educating consumers on 
what product you know they might want to be smoking and what questions they might want to be right. asking about what they're smoking. There was this interesting company um, when I started getting into the business of machines and was looking to get uh, financial support. Um, they were called, uh, the name of the company was Ebu or Ebu, I think it was E-B-B-U, and their whole thing was um, classifying uh, the full cannabinoid, the full list of cannabinoids and what each of those things did, right? So the idea was that you could break apart um, a specific strain by its percentages of uh, limonene, limonene or whatever, you know, and all the other terpenes and then THC and, 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 and then you could, you could tell by that how this was going to affect you. So you could have an idea because you know that this is the things you like, you know, like if, when you're going to drink wine, you're like, I like this varietal, I think, you know, I like stuff grown in this region, that kind of thing. They were trying to do that with cannabis. I don't know whatever happened to them. They probably just didn't yeah. make it. But well, that sounds like, like a, a really cool project. Pretty cool project. Yeah, the thing is, is like, you know, there's, there's not much profit to be made when you're doing things like that. And when you're researching such a brand new industry, and yeah. people like consumers aren't really catching on to your idea. As yeah. amazing as, you know, developing that would be and as yeah. much resources it would provide, it's like, unfortunately, people like that aren't really getting encouraged to do that research because yeah. everyone's so focused on like, oh, what has the most THC or, you know, is it indica or sativa? And yeah. really it's like, if you dive into it, there's so much more to it. Every yeah. single terpene can affect you differently. And for sure, you, know, you right. want to know like how it's going to affect you as thoroughly so they as were, possible. They were so. going really at the medical side and they had a really interesting staff. Like they were really heavy. I think they had two or three PhDs involved and like they were, they were sucking up money like nobody's business. Like they were getting funding yeah. after funding after like millions and tens of millions of dollars were getting thrown into this concept. Um, I'll look them up and figure out what they what they're doing with themselves now. But but I thought it was interesting. I haven't seen anything since that time, so I'm assuming that they didn't they weren't successful yet, which I don't know how you could be. But but uh, I always thought that was really interesting. And it kind of goes along with the with the like scientific classification conversation that we just yeah. had a minute ago right so you can take this all down you can break it down very rigidly and then classify and then subcategorize and then really get all the details and then then you could know a lot more but i mean you know uh, i don't know if we'll get there or not but it sounds like a cool idea for somebody to do yeah and you know i honestly do see a point where we will get there because yeah. you know i don't think mm -hmm. cannabis is going anywhere so uh, it doesn't look know. like it and just based off of what's happened in the last three or four years here, yeah. it's like, you know, I can't wait to see what we've discovered in 10 years and, yeah. you know, the way that it's being used for medical purposes. I just met actually a really amazing lady in Oklahoma at the event there. We were on a panel together. Her name is Dr. Z or Dr. Zinia, uh -huh. and she's been doing a lot of like terpene research with aromatherapy and just those effects and things yeah. like that. And, you know, she's a PhD as well. And to see people like really catching on and getting interested and taking the time you know and she basically was like i you know got really tired of prescribing my clients with you know random pills and then yeah. having to prescribe them to something else to mitigate the side effects of the other pill and yeah. like you know yada 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 and she was like that's when i really started diving into this and like noticing like hey if we you know give somebody this terpene for you know this long in aromatherapy it gives them these effects and yeah it's things like that where I'm like, you know, that's that's what we want to see here. It's a medicine. And I think, yeah. you know, that's why so many people are so in love with this plant is because... Well, I don't know why doTERRA hasn't picked it up. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> Doterra. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know no, those it's guys. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I just am really looking forward to seeing where it all yeah, goes. Yeah, it's interesting, and, right? I mean, it, it, we could imagine a lot about where it is going to go, but it's kind of going really fast. It's going really fast. It's going fast as fast as it can go. You know, all we can all do is kind of keep trucking along and try to keep up with things. Keep your head but, above water. You know, they keep throwing the next curveball at us left and right, yeah. and it's kind of like a, it's a game of dodgeball at this point, honestly. We're like, right. dodge, duck, and weave. Isn't that yeah, <laughs> the quote from that movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and. I, it's interesting to see like how it affects different I mean we're affected we were just talking about this earlier today like this company is affected when the when we have when the culture is affected or the whole industry in California is being drastically affected by overproduction people don't have the ability to, that they would have had so we're seeing the effects of, of uh, on the equipment market so it sh it ripples through you know, completely ripples through the whole thing oh, yeah. when, when you see, especially a massive market like California. Oh my yeah, God, this I is mean, like huge. It's, it's, you know, realistically, it's consuming just about all the resources that some of these farmers have. And yeah. especially in an area like Humboldt, where you can't just easily expand your farm five acres. Right. You know, that would cause a nightmare of grading permits and destroying oh, yeah. the forest surrounding yourself. And nobody really wants to even do that up here. Right. And so, you know, all these folks are relying on is the fact that we have this craft name here yeah. and you know that hopefully consumers catch on to the fact that we've been doing this longer than just about anyone else up here and you know we you might actually know, know how to doing. produce the good stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know i don't like personally i you know maybe a little bit biased but if i had to choose any day between you know a 10 acre socal farm and you know smoking a jar of weed from a small family farm up here i would choose the one up here yeah, any day of any my day life. of the week yeah well it's it's so it's interesting that that's gotten lost to me because you know this is really what it's always been right this is sorry this is legend like this is like you went to humble you know why you went to humble like you can say i'm gonna go to humble everybody's like oh yeah all right bring me back some weed man that's what it was it's always been that and then for this to see it like completely change into this mass marketed uh, phenomenon that it is and to have Humboldt go, oh, and get kind of, you know, left behind because yeah. of just the push in the, in the, in the culture side of it and the push toward these, these, whatever brand of the flavor of the week is, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of uh, shocking to see it. Um, I'm sure it'll bounce back. But it, it's probably going to bounce back in that legacy way, you know, yeah. like like that craft wine legacy kind of, you know, tour people coming out and seeing this, what it yeah. was all about from the beginning. But it needs to start happening quick. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> and I really hope that that is the case. And yeah. I mean, like, I like to think there's no reason why it wouldn't be, but we just got to keep pushing and got to keep making sure that our brands are getting out there and, you know, yeah. that folks are getting educated and know what's yeah. up. And, you know, that's part of why it's really cool to see, like, the Tangled Roots documentary I was just talking about where yeah. they come in and they're really capturing, like, the struggle that these legacy farmers went through, you know, yeah. like we were getting camped out and it was a stressful thing to be doing. It wasn't like, you know, you, if you have the funding, you can do whatever you want to back in the day. It was like, no, like you never know when your crop's going to get chopped. And right. We all stuck it out. And, you know, a lot of people got kind of duped too, because initially they had proposed the one acre cap 
and you know a lot of people were relying on that because up yeah. here you can easily do an acre of cultivation but anything past that it's a little bit tricky you know we are surrounded by gorgeous mountains and forests yeah. <laughs> we're not like in an ag land place right but, you know we get some amazing product up here yeah and you know it's kind of definitely like almost getting pushed under the rug in a sense i mean we're all fighting to get our head out from under it yeah. but you know when there's people just mass producing and sending it everywhere it's yeah. definitely throwing off the balance and you know it's like it, when you it's really hard to compete in a marketplace like that we're just talking about that like how do you, you got to have a way to get to the consumer how do you get to the consumer when you can't get to the consumer and it's it's you know and that's why that's tr really why the black market still thrives because you know the the non-black market, the the horrible legal market that we've cre that created here, has choked out right the livelihood of so many people by just the structure of the politics and and the cost. And I was well, hearing the cost of licensing, and then you throw in the taxation. I'm like, why? that's just like wrong in so at so many levels to see that kind of cost put down on a producer yeah. when they have the highest cost of product they have the highest cost in the whole system yeah. like theirs is the highest cost without those things right without yeah. those things to be a farmer you have the highest labor the highest time the highest expense everything is the highest for you and then you get everybody else makes more money on your product because yeah. Why? It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, that's been you know, happening but... a lot. You know, a lot of folks don't even bother to produce their own product under their own brand name anymore. Yeah. A lot of the time it's getting bought in bulk and getting thrown in a different package. And, you know, it doesn't say anywhere where that farm is located. Right. So they're not, they're losing their recognition there. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what are these farmers that are supposed to, like, even, you know, for my dad, as I was saying, I had to basically, like, push him and push him into making an Instagram, but it's yeah. it's a reality for people who have been told to hide what they're doing for yeah, the last, right. you know, 30, 40 years, yeah. and they've been doing the same thing, and then suddenly they're like, hey, now you gotta oh, tell you everybody. need to be a marketing <laughs> professional now. Like, if you wanna have a brand yeah. that survives, yeah. like, you know, you need to be super savvy mm. with Instagram, and you need to be on LinkedIn, and like, right. you know, you need to be going to all the B2B events, and it's like, folks that have been hiding on their hill from the cops for yeah. years and years and years and yeah, it's like not something how do they you want make to talk that about. transition in yeah. one year even you know for me and i'm a lot younger than most of these people that have been yeah. here their whole lives but you know like as i was saying the first time seeing a film crew on our property i was like well this does not that's feel not gonna right. be right and i was like what can i say and what can i say yeah. and like you know even still when we hear a helicopter both of my dad like stop dead and we're like and then we're like okay we're fine. Like, wow. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's weird. And a lot of people didn't really get that time to adjust there. And so sure. it's like, you know, what are you supposed to do when you're 60 years old? And, you know, suddenly you've been doing you go from life. like just working with your plants and, you know, having that connection in your garden all day, every day to like being like, all right, I need to be an Instagram celebrity and yeah. I need to be going to all of the networking events. And, yeah. you know, I need to establish a fancy brand name and fancy packaging just to even keep up. And so it's, yeah. you know, it's honestly kind of really screwing people over up here. Yeah, it is. It's making it very difficult. And it's also killing the recognition or the opportunity for people to see what this created, right? Because it's getting washed out. It's just being kind of, you know, it's not getting its due right now. It'll probably come back, but right now it's just getting washed out. And unfortunately, that means you're probably going to lose a lot, you know, and hopefully it's not 
too much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've already seen it happening, you know. We have yeah. folks that have literally just kept their permits dormant for entire seasons because they can't even afford to run it after paying the tax on it. And, yeah. you know, they're like, we don't have any money for paying our employees or soil or genetics yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. We have some folks that are like, I can barely afford to pay my employees and I definitely can't afford my genetics right now. And it's like, you know, and at that point, the taxes that the states are forcing people to pay end up coming out of our own pockets because we're not going to like watch our farmers struggle and not be able to grow for a year. We're like, pay us if you can pay us eventually, you know, but here's your seeds. And yeah. so it, it comes back around, as you were saying, it, you know, affects your sales for equipment. It yeah. affects every aspect of the cannabis business when yeah. folks are running on like such a tight budget and all of their money is going into you know the Going permitting and the taxing yeah. and just keeping up with like you know what everyone else is doing in the industry even yeah. just testing your product is like it's expensive it's super expensive super expensive and you know they're definitely I'm, not intending to find any way to make it easier for people right now it feels like so no. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The testing actually doesn't make any sense at all unless you're looking for pathogen, but you have to do it to test for THC so that you can prove yourself on the scale of, yeah. of, of value, right? And it's just, that's brutal, man. Yeah. And if you come in a little bit low there, you're screwed. Well, you know? you know, we had we had an instance with some of our really old school farmers in Honeydew that we've been working with for years doing pheno hunting where they got a whole batch of product tested and it came in at like 18% THC and they were like, our distributor offered us this price and it's not very good. And we were like, yeah, that's not a good price at all, but we'll tell you what lab to go to. And, you know, I'm not yeah. going to say it because I don't want to give them any more clout <laughs> than they already have. But they went from one lab to the next and next thing you know, they had 26% THC and, yeah. you know, their product did sell for more, but it... And that's a, that's a, like that's that, a whole another you know? story that just goes back to the whole idea. Like that number means really little yeah, in the no. grand scheme of things. It means very, very little. It doesn't. And a lot of consumers have no idea. No you clue. know, they're yeah. really, they're going in and they're like, this says it has 34% THC. <laughs> oh my God. You know, that's the one. <laughs> and you're like, all right, yeah, sure. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with that. <laughs> It's funny, my dad and I were joking around the other day. We we're like, we wonder if like someone was gonna like sue the state eventually and be like, you know, I got this jar that was supposed to get me super, super stoned and yeah. I smoked it and I didn't get very stoned at all and I had an anxiety attack and you know, a mental breakdown. Yeah. And now I need help, I need counseling. <laughs> you know? yeah. Perfect. It's like, it is kind of a weird thing because when you're like proclaiming <laughs> something to be like, uniform and a number and it's a fact and you're selling it to consumers you'd think that it would actually be a legitimate number <laughs> i knew that was going to happen <laughs> caught it though smooth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super smooth yeah it's well i mean you know that's i mean that's exactly what's going to happen is there's going to be somebody's going to call it out and because testing procedures aren't uniform and blah 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 and someone's going to sue somebody and it's all going to come out of the wash and everybody's gonna be like oh it's all bullshit anyway uh, and then maybe somebody will start going, hey, man, there's something else in there aside from THC. Yeah, right? Yeah. What are terps again? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I heard a rumor about a terpene once. <laughs> yeah. What is that? What is that? <laughs> That's the stuff you remove paint with? Yeah, I, you know, I really do see it kind of evolving in that direction, or at least I'm keeping my fingers crossed because, yeah. you know, as someone who's been... So are you going to stay here? Is this your thing? You're going you're gonna to be the 
Yeah, you the, know. The, it's, the, seed, the queen of seeds <laughs> It wasn't really a, a really official plan, honestly. I kind of was in a position where I had just graduated high school or actually did like an independent study program and enrolled myself in college when I was like 16. And so I was going to CR. I was kind of starting to think about, you know, going to a different college and yeah. kind of moving along and seeing what else was out there. And like right then was kind of when legalization hit. I think I was like 19. Yeah. And so I wasn't even 21 yet. I was like trying to sneak my way into our dispensary meetings with like a fake ID. He's like, oh, this kind of sucks. But you know, it kind of just got thrown into it. And yeah. for a while, we have our partner Ben over in uh, Nevada County, Grass Valley area. Yeah. But up here, it's just my dad and I. And so we kind of just had to put our heads together and start figuring stuff out and yeah. you know the first few months it was like a lot of me calling metric and being like hey guys like you know this is all set up for flour but like what do you want me to do for my seeds like does this sound reasonable and they'd be like uh you make seeds and I'm like yeah I do and they're like okay yeah that sounds good what are seeds for great. you know and I'm like okay like I had to like took me a minute to convince them that like we don't need batch testing on our THC for like or for our seeds, excuse yeah. me, for THC and for the pathogens and stuff. There's like the column and metric where you're supposed to have to put, yeah. you know, your test results in and whatnot. And I was like, well, like that doesn't really make sense, guys. And eventually they were like, yeah, you're right, you're right. So there was a lot of learning curves <laughs> for us, but you know, it kind of just all unraveled. You guys you got like a square did. peg going in a round hole over there. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, no, they do the government not. Government doesn't know what <laughs> they they're do doing. Not, but no. You know, it is what it is. We're all just kind of, you know, trying yeah. to. So you have anything that's really cool that you're holding on to that's coming out? Well, you know, we have that M30 that we're about to release. It's unnamed. <laughs> it's not at this the unnamed point. M30. <laughs> the <Have> mystery you... <laughs> M30. That one was honestly my all-time favorite from last year's Fino hunting. Yeah, right. You know what's funny? Where you walk up to it and you're just like, oh, this is the one. That's the one. <laughs> we uh, we uh, went through a naming kind of uh, exercise. And one of our machines was actually almost named the M30. So there you go. Maybe, Maybe it's we not, should just call it that. There you go. Just call it the M30. <laughs> like, why not? You know, we're running out of options these days. Yeah, anyways. I mean, so it's like, not a bad thing, right? We had the other one was uh, what? We're going to call it the M16? Yeah, the M16. Yeah, the M16. When they thought, well, I don't know, man. There might be a little crossover problem with that one. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure that out. Uh, but yeah, you never know. Someone's got to change it up. It might be the thing. Yeah, you know. And, and honestly, if it is a thing, no one cares what it's called. Exactly. That's, you know, <laughs> that's something I've realized more and more. And we're learning to be a little bit more careful with our names and whatnot. Yeah. You know, we got a little cease and desist recently from a certain somebody. And we were like, oh, man, yeah. all right, here it comes. So we got to really a, start thinking about it. There's a lot it, of that know? going because a lot of guys are making candies and candy bars. And they're, you know, they're knocking off... Uh, major brands would be just a little too tight to the you know with the branding and it's like oh yeah you're gonna get yourself in trouble with that yeah don't well, mess with any of those big food companies and now. i don't remember what exactly <laughs> they just passed a new thing where they're basically now claiming that any like cannabis merchandise still has to like be very direct like the brand name it has to you know somehow like infer what it's related to and it can't be anything that like attracts children 
and what the fuck so is like cookies gonna do? Mer- that, okay, that was literally the first thing I thought was I was like, so what about cookies? Yeah. Like with the bags all over the place that just say cookies on yeah. it. I was like, oh my god, that seems like that's gonna be a nightmare for them. Yeah, it's gonna that be really a problem for real, them. You know, oh, but it shit. does kind of make sense at the same time. You're like, all right, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, I'm starting candy. That's my you're gonna go candy. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, you know, but you're gonna have a lot of people enough, up your so. ass on that one. <laughs> oh man. Whew. Well, I didn't even check where we're at. We're right on time. Right on time. Wrap it up. Cool. So, I, so you are on Instagram. Yeah. So. And yeah. are you on the web and you're on Facebook and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah. Our company on Instagram is the Humble Seed Company. Awesome. Um, you know, we're the one with Humboldt spelled with the D and the T. Nice. Don't don't follow the one without the D. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the the, then, the electric company. <laughs> <laughs> we've been having a lot of like scam accounts pop up lately. Oh my it's kind of stressing me out. I think most of our customers will know, but then I'm always like, oh, what about the old lady who yeah. gets a DM that's like, Humboldt Seed Co packs for discount, and you know, and then she spends her disability money and oh and man, we don't want we're that. We're getting out of that. Yeah, no, but. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Okay. Our website has actually been getting lots more traffic these Wonderful. days. We That's try to great. provide a lot of informational content on there, just so even how That's to germinate good. your seed and things that we used to think everyone knows. But yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. more we expand, we're like, oh man, you really gotta, really gotta, gotta help start these guys from the hold, bottom. Hold here. their hands all the way <laughs> exactly. through the process. Yeah. Exactly, and we do our best at that. Our customer service rep, Hannah, has like amazing patience level, and you know. That's what they really need. They, can, they, like, you gotta have people that have that. Oh yeah, in that yeah. Area. It's, we've come to realize and accept that when you sell someone a seed you're not just selling them a seed they think that you're selling them the final product yeah so you kind of gotta walk them through (laughs) it doesn't look anything like the picture (laughs) okay all right so there's this whole time period we didn't talk about um that's awesome well congratulations yeah it's exciting as well thank you so much yeah Yeah. i was stoked to come down here and chat with yeah thanks for coming well i mean all the way down here yeah yeah. it's not you know it's not that far it's like an hour (laughs) That's still great. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I don't get, I, we've been, a, it's been been a while since I've been up here, about a year, I think. Uh, and I was over there in January, February, January? Anyway, uh, helping them with machines. We're working with cookies on machines and stuff like that. So um, I just don't get the opportunity to come through as much as I used to. You know, when I was in San Diego and I was selling machines, I would just drive up all the time and back and forth, yeah. you know? And I don't, and I, and I miss it because it is, it really is some of the most beautiful part of the country. It's yeah. really stunning up here. Yeah, I love um, it up here. And I remember that the, in the winters with the with the mist and the rain and just God, oh, just uh, I camped up here uh, in the campgrounds off the side of the road in Garberville uh, many times in the rain, you know, and that was cool. Yeah, yeah. no, it's honestly uh, you gotta love it. I had our first our first rainy day was Saturday of you know this weekend and up at our property I have it's like a geodesic little dome that I stay in but you know there's no installation there's like a big open plastic thing where you can see up into the sky and so it started coming down on me like at 6 30 in the morning (laughs) and I woke up and I had like five minutes where I was like wow this is beautiful like what a life and then the next thing you know I hear my dad up in the field and I'm like oh crap that's right Yeah, farmer's work like is never done. That like five to ten minutes where I was just looking up at the ray, and I was like, oh man, I missed this. Oh you know? wow, yeah, but you get, yeah, yeah, it's 
pretty cool. It's a gorgeous awesome. spot to be. It's I a great feel spot. Very to be. fortunate to have grown yeah. up up here. And you have property here, so you guys are good. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. I'm if cannabis goes away. Oh well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and you know, the whole world in general these days. I'm like, who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, it's like, kind of crazy right now. I could see myself just ending up at the farm and building a giant cement wall in the next few <laughs> years, and being like, all right, stay away. <laughs> My compound. Stay yeah. on that side. Put a big golden door in it. Right, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm yeah, definitely sure. stoked to have been able to come down and be a part of cool. this. Well, next time I'll, I'll make sure I get all the way up and we'll come see you guys. Yeah, we would love that. Definitely. Cool. Even if you're just driving through Eureka, stop by the distro and we'll for hook sure. you up with some seed packs or whatever. Merch. I just like <laughs> to see it. I'd love to watch how you guys do stuff. I mean, that's, I don't know. I geek out on equipment, so that's my thing. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we're always trying to find the new best equipment for what we're doing, and it's Maybe tricky. we can help. You never know. Sure you could. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Thank you guys for joining. That concludes our podcast for this week. Don't forget to check us out on all the socials at Green Bros.